It's good to see you people this morning. I just appreciate the Lord and his presence. Amen. Because this morning, I don't know whether you could feel that tangible presence of the Lord during worship. And then on top of that, there was so many, there was so much angelic activity in the room. And the angels were going crazy. Like dancing and just flapping their wings and releasing the presence into this room. It looked like gold dust. Say, so wow, you I'll take that and receive that. Because there's something that happens when you in the glory of the Lord. Amen. So this morning, me and Byron are actually going to be tag teaming about uh, um, something that is in the heart of the Father. And uh, when he asked me about it, <clears throat> actually the Lord reminded me of a dream that he gave me maybe a couple months ago. And uh, I didn't even know what to do with the dream. And it was very specific. And uh, I didn't even know how I was supposed to even really release it. You know, but at the end of what I'm about to say, I'm going to read out what was actually in the dream. And it was really profound. And it's actually really tremendous news of what the Father really intends to do here. Not only here, but also across the body in different churches. This is his heart. Because he really wants to touch the world in a very specific manner. In just the same way Jesus walked on this earth. And he touched so many lives. That it could not even be recorded. The number of things that he did for people. Just his goodness. His sheer goodness was so overwhelming. There's not enough books on this earth. To fill out. To write out. You know what I mean? I think I was telling uh, the Lord, I'm going to spend a lot of time in your library because I'd like to know what the other miracles were. All the other things that he did. We just know like a tiny drop of what he did. You know? I don't even know what it would look like if we knew the whole matter. But thank God for the Holy Ghost because he's able to contain everything that the Lord has given us. Amen? And he's able to keep it. So, um, So what we're going to be going after today is healing. That's what is in the Father's heart. You know, and one thing that I really sense from the Holy Spirit that he was saying is, don't let your thoughts or your heart and your experience in this earth cloud the reality of how it is. Because regardless of what we're going through, he does not change in terms of him being good. Just the same way with Shadrach, Michigan, and Bendigo, when they were about to get tossed in the fire. If you notice one thing that they said, we know that the Lord will rescue us. But even if he does not, guess what? He is still going to do what? He's still going to be God. And he's still going to be good. So their reality was not based on how they were feeling at that very moment. It was best. It was based on a higher spiritual reality, which is the goodness of the Father. So they knew, regardless, either way, if we burn up in the fire, we're going to be with him. If he rescues us, glory to him. So either way, it's good. Amen? So don't allow whatever experience you're going through to really cloud the reality that really he's a good father. That he's a deliverer. That he's the God our healer. 
You know, regardless of what aches goes on in your bodies, the true reality is this. He is a healer. Like that will not change in his heart. We might not fully understand everything else that goes on, but we know that he is the God, our healer. Amen? So, um, so I'm just going to set up some stuff here before I actually talk about the dream real quick. Some few scriptures that the Lord gave me. Just to bring the reality of God into the situation. Not the Africans' reality, but his reality. You know, here's something that Jesus said. You know, he said, greater things than these you shall do. Because I go to the Father. And this is from John 14, starting from verse 12. And I'm an NLT guy. I'm a New Living Translation kind of guy. I like the simple English that is just straightforward. So, here's what it says. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done. And even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. Okay? Now, God is not a liar, is it? So the reality of what he says is great things we will do. So regardless of what my experience is dictating at this very moment, the truth about it is there is a higher spiritual plane that I have to allow the Holy Spirit to bring me to that place and not allow where I am to dictate the reality of who God is. So keep on going. And I want you to see the pattern that is forming here. Greater things you shall do. Now let's look at Ephesians 3.20. And it says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now think about this. Greater works. Okay. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. So here's what I felt like the Father really wanted to express. When you look at the reality of the kingdom of God, when Jesus came and released that here on this earth, it started as small as a mustard seed, right? But it's continuously doing what? Increasing and expanding. Because it's said to the, to the government of his kingdom, there will always be what? An increase. It never ends. It's continuously expanding and increasing. It's an exp- you know, I, I don't even know the way there's a mathematical expression for that. Usually the, what we have in math is exponential. Okay? Because it leaps and bounds. It's leaps and bounds. But his kingdom is continuously increasing. So when you look at the reality of what he's saying to us is this. My kingdom, whether you believe or do not believe, his kingdom is continuously doing what? Increasing. That is the truth. That is the reality that we're, we're living in. And I want to read something from Daniel here. Okay, this is Daniel chapter 2, starting from verse 34. It says, As you washed, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of the iron and the clay and smashed them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. 
But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. Continuously increasing. Scripture after scripture after scripture shows us the infinite God that we have, that we actually serve. The father of all lights. Who out of his own kindness decided that he wanted to introduce us into his kingdom and bring us into it. That we may fully experience the increase of his kingdom in our lives. I'm going to let that sink in. So. Here's what the dream was. Now that I've laid out the foundation. That God is interested in increase. Not decrease. Increase. That's his desire in our li- for our lives. So in the dream. I was uh, just kind of chilling out the way I normally do. And uh, I came across this book. But I could not see the cover of the book whatsoever. I didn't know what kind of book it was. But I remember in the dream being directed to a particular page in the book. And I started reading it. And while I was reading it, it was a prophecy that somebody in the 20th century had prophesied. And it was very specific as to what was the Lord's intention in this prophecy. For individuals, for groups, for communities, for churches, for nations. And this is something that the Father in his own heart has a very, I mean, actually let me put this. This is something that the Father has such a passion for. And as I was reading it, I remember saying, this is profound. And I said, how come we never had all this one before, Lord? This is in the dream. I said, how come we never had all this before? And the Lord just said, keep on reading. So I kept on reading. And, the, and I stopped at a particular point, and the Lord said, the rest of the book goes on to explain those few words that you just read. And I'm going to read them out today. And actually, I found the book. Even in the dream, I did not know what the book was. And this is how I came across the book itself. I was actually sitting on the couch, watching TV, actually some football, minding my own business. And the Lord interrupts me. <laughs> In the middle of that. That's how the Lord speaks to me. Because that's when I know it's really the Lord. Because I was not really being spiritual at that moment. At all. I was actually yelling at the TV. <laughs> man, that's past interference, man. Why you got to do that, man? Look at that. Now you throw a fish. There you go, now 15 yards. Oh, God, man. And then in the middle of that, whoo, here comes his thought. And, uh, and the thought was, I want you to look at your phone. And there's an app that I have on my phone, which is Charisma. Um, you know, it's a Charisma app, like Charisma magazine. And, uh, and as soon as I open, I see this thing that says prophecy f- for the United States. And it caught my eye. I was like, hmm. So I started reading it. And when I read it, as I was reading it, the dreams started coming back afresh. And I went, wait, these are the exact same words as in the dream. And I, so I looked up who it was. And I found out the guy that actually wrote that prophecy is Kenneth Hagin. 
senior. And I read this book years ago. Okay, I read it years ago. And it was actually in my library. And <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's in my library all this time. I'm searching for it, trying to figure out well, what is this book, Lord? I don't know what this book is, but it's right there in my library. And when I looked at it, I was about to go actually purchase it from Amazon, but I said, look, look through my library. It looks really familiar. And lo and behold, there it was. So today I'm just going to read that part. Is that okay with you? So, you know, and one of the things in the dream that, that really also stuck out was, you know, I knew that from the prophecy there was going to be some uh, crazy times coming, okay, not so good times. But one thing that the Lord emphasized in the dream was his people and what he wanted to do through his people. In the midst of all the disasters, of including some of the judgments that the nations are going to be going through. But what he showed show me was a vision of a city on a hill just lighting up everywhere. And people were flocking to it. They were coming in millions and millions and millions. And that's the Father's desire. You know, Bob Jones was prophesying that one billion youth being saved. Now, that's just one billion youth. He did not say... Men, women, fathers, mothers, as you say, one billion years, meaning that it is beyond a billion in terms of what we're thinking. Just like it says in the word, he fed 5,000 men, but there's more. There was kids. You know what I mean? There's all sorts of people that were there. So, so the part that the Lord was highlighting was this, okay? And this is, I'm kind of picking up in the middle where Jesus was talking to Kenneth Hagin. And he says, you know, Jesus also said, this was the last great revival. He went on to say, all the gifts of the spirit will be in operation in the church in these last days. And the church will do greater things than even, I mean, greater things than even the early church did. It will have greater power, signs, and wonders than, we, than were recorded in the book of Acts. He said that, he, he that we have seen, I mean, he said that we have seen and have experienced many healings. But we will not behold amazing miracles that have not been seen before. Now, remember that what it says in Ephesians. Above, infinitely above, all we can ask or think. Okay. Jesus continued. More and more miracles will be performed in the last days, which are just ahead. For, in this time, for it is time for the gift of the walking of miracles to be more in prominence. We now have entered into the era of the miraculous. So that was the part that the Lord emphasized. There's an increase that is really coming to us. Because the Father has a deep passion to draw people to himself. And one of the ways that Jesus really did draw people to himself was through signs and wonders and miracles and healings. And he did say that everybody that came to him, he healed. You know? That's the reality of it. Now, does that mean that when you read some of the scriptures in the Bible, does it show that this certain place that he went, that he did not heal specific people? Yes. Like the post loan. And I've always wondered how many people, invalids, were there. 
But he, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. So he goes and touches that one person. I think my first reaction was like, what about the rest, Lord? Yeah. You know? But I realize also, as it says in Romans, specifically, you know, when he was speaking to Moses, you know, he said, I choose to have mercy in who I want to have mercy. Yes? So if God gives us free will, then he has free will. But our hearts should really be in a low place where we say, blessed be your name, Lord. Just as David said, whatever he wants to do, when David was about to lose his kingdom, when he was running away from Absalom, and the guy was abusing him. And he said, hey, if the Lord sees fit to take the kingdom, so be it. But he can do as he desires. Now that is a humble heart. Amen? So when we enter into this new era that we're entering, humility is such a big deal. Like a big deal. Humility is such a big deal. Amen? So that's all I really wanted to release and have Byron come up here and do the other part. Good job, buddy. That's really powerful. And... uh much more powerful than what I'm going to do. I was telling Marlon earlier, I just have this love-hate relationship with when the worship's really good. It's like, uh, it's so good. Can we just go home now? Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's just, I'm full. I want to tell you two things. I want to, I, I feel like... Uh, I wanted to kind of reiterate a couple of things Marlon said, because actually we didn't we didn't uh, have a plan here other than Marlon, you're going to do something, I'm going to do some. That's that was it, and he did mention he was going to share that, but he shared the dreams about above and beyond what we can ask or think. So last week, I, uh, we were visiting Matthew and Sarah up there in Chapel Hill, and I asked the Lord to give me a word for them. Uh, and I, the word was this, is be careful what you ask for because you might get it. Okay, and I realize that's a word for all of us, that we really need, we're in a time we need to really be careful what we ask for because we are not capable of asking for the right thing many times. In other words, God may give you what you want, but God had something greater He wanted you to have. And I got that from the story in the scripture where Solomon, the Lord came to Solomon in a dream and said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want wisdom, a wise heart to be able to lead your people. And the Lord said, well, I'm going to give you that and plus I'm going to throw in a bunch of money on top of it. You get what I'm saying? You see, I think we really need to be careful in this hour about our asking and because I think we're asking too low. And I don't think we know how to really ask God for what we really need because he only, only He knows what we really need. And He, as Marlon pointed out, God has something bigger that He wants to give and something bigger He wants to do. And so we, won't, we don't want to fill our hands with things that we'll be disappointed in down the road when God came and said, well, you could have had all this, but you were so graspy for this thing. You know, I just, let you, I just left you alone, let you have what you, what you wanted. Amen? Y'all getting that? Uh, the Lord told me that this year was uh, not a was a year of 
business not as usual. Biz, this is a year of business not as usual. In other words, God, uh, things that have just been automatic in the past may not be automatic in our lives today. And that we need to be willing to, willing to be flexible uh, when God uh, shows up or intervenes or things don't work in your life the way you want them to work, the way you thought they should be working or the way they have always worked. Uh, David said, Lord, keep my heart back from presumptuous sin that I may not sin against you. In other words, many times God wants to do things and we're trying to force something because that's the way it's always been or that's the way we think it should be. And God is saying, no, that's not the way it's going to work this time. I got a, a different plan. And, and it really keeps us doing, it really keeps us on uh, as far as what Martin was saying about the humility of being able to trust the Lord. Because that's what Christianity always, always boils down to, right? At the end of the day, are we trusting God when things are not working the way we think they should work? And, and things don't look like we had anticipated them to look. Uh, that's just the highest level of Christianity, really, is trusting God. I mean, it's that simple, but it's, it just stumbles us because many times we're looking for something a lot more profound. And God is just saying, I just want you to trust me. And just let me have the lead in this. And don't try to grasp like he was, you said that, right? Don't grasp at these things. Let me do what I want to do. And if you will allow me that room in your life, then I can do, I can make that above and beyond what you're asking or thinking um, happen in your life. That something more can come for you. Amen? So he said we need to rethink That's a word for everybody in this room. You need to rethink some things. And rethink is a play on the word repentance, which means change the way you think. That's what he was telling me. When I left Matthew and Sarah, I gave him that word. I was driving down the road feeling kind of dandy. Uh, And then the Lord said to me, you need to rethink some things. You need to rethink. And I knew he was saying, you need to change the way you think. I know most of you know this about the word repent, and it does mean change the way you think. But it also, uh, just in a natural construction of the word, it means re, which means go back, and pent, which means penthouse. It means go back to the thinking from above, thinking from being seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Okay? Uh, Jesus made it really clear. We were talking about this this, this morning, the Beatitudes. Uh, Blessed are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, the Message Bible says when you get your inside world right, you can see God in your outside world. And the way you get your inside world, you start with, with what the Bible says, the blood of Christ cleanses our heart from an evil conscience. That's where we begin at. We allow the blood of Christ to remove the things that have gotten on our heart that, that causes our conscience to be messed up. And the blood cleanses that, and we can begin to see, then we can begin to receive the anointing of thoughts that, that are flowing in the spiritual realm. And so, all that really has something to do with healing, uh, because God wants to heal. I wanted to, to say why we believe, well, I want to say this, I believe God wants to restore to river life a ro- what I would call a robust healing ministry. 
That's what I believe. And so I wrote down, here's why I believe this. Is one, uh, like Marlon mentioned, healing was a major focus of Jesus' ministry. And it still is a major focus of his ministry. Uh, I love what he says, signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, one evangelist said, those are God's dinner bell. <laughs> to call the lost in to the, to the house. Uh, but wherever Jesus went, wherever he went in the Bible, he was always ministering to hurting people. Every, you read the Gospels, that's what he was constantly doing, constantly doing. And the apostles were following suit. And uh, there, is, there are only 41 actual instances of physical or mental healings recorded in the four Gospels. Only 41 instances. But many times the Gospel says there were multitudes of people healed. Literally multitudes of people. We'll never know how many people that Jesus healed while he was on this earth. And so he was something that was flowing to him constantly because he was the, the healer. In fact, uh, this is a, a mathematical fact. One-fifth of the gospel is devoted. One-fifth of the four gospels is devoted to the healing ministry of Jesus. One-fifth of them. More than any other single thing, Healing is the more than salvation even. There's more focus in the Gospels of Jesus' healing ministry. Isn't that amazing? That's, that blows my mind out. It says, well, that must be important. Okay? Um, it's also part of the Great Commission. You will lay hands on the sick. That's Mark 16. And they will recover. That's, that's part of the... And the other thing that I feel is we have sick people here. Every week there's people sick in this room. Every week there's people who are walking in here with family members that are sick. And there's more uh, recently a, what I would consider to be a spike in people with diseases that are life-threatening. Okay? With people in our church or with their family members. And I think when that stuff starts happening, whenever we hear about somebody being sick or somebody who's come down with something really bad, it should provoke something in us. Of why, do, why is this happening? What's going on here? Why does, why does this man have this, these tumors? Why is this person suffering with, with cancer? Those should be the first thought that comes to us. It should challenge us. You, should, you and I should feel challenged when a, a believer or somebody, a family member is, that we love suddenly has something that could take them out. You know, because, because the Bible tells us that Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were sick and just, what, destroying the works of the devil, all those who were afflicted by the devil. Because Jesus loved people, he cared about people, he had compassion on people, but he also despised the devil and what the devil did. And when we hear about sickness, there should be something that rises up, up towards that person, that we care about that person. That's wrong for that person to be sick, and it should say, we, and, and it just, just make us burn in us. That the enemy is doing this to that person. Now, I just believe that's how Jesus, when he saw it, his stuff burned in him that this was the devil. Okay? And he, you know, because sickness is not from God. We, just in case nobody understands that about what we believe, we don't believe God causes anybody to get sick. We don't believe God causes sickness to teach us a lesson. Okay? But we believe that sickness happens. Okay? And we believe that God will use anything, anything, anything. Anything, but he don't cause it. He didn't cause Becky's shoulder to get broke. You know, but he used it in her life, and he's used it in my life. But he was not the source of that. 
I just want to make that clear. I'm sure y'all know that. Um, let me think here a second. I'm trying to be careful. Ann's got a panther glasses on. That's pretty nice. Boy, isn't y'all are serious about this panther stuff? <laughs> telling you, y'all. <laughs> I'm hoping they'll win, but I've been wearing a panther coat for years. When they were losing, I was wearing mine. I ain't suddenly when they're winning, y'all all showing up with them panther coats. On. Uh, you catch me every morning outside walking around exercising with a panther coat on. Anyways, back to the message. <laughs> now that y'all feel happy again. <laughs> One thing that really concerns me a lot, in all seriousness, is children dying. Now, we prayed for a child recently of some friends of ours, and the, she had heart problems, and the baby wound up dying. And that really, really troubled me. I'll be honest with you, I got real trouble this week when we found out about that little boy that drowned here in town. That was, you know. You know, I want to say this. This is kind of off the subject, but I probably need to hurry up. But I was saying, Lord, you know, why, why can't you send an angel to stop that little boy from dying? Just why? But the thought came to me is like, how many millions of angels has he sent other little boys and little girls? How many millions of angels he sent in my life? We just don't know. And to accuse God of something is not the right heart. The question is fine, but to accuse God is just not, it's not allowed as far as I'm concerned. It's just not behavior becoming the people of God. We could ask him, why didn't you save that child? Who knows why God didn't. That maybe God ordained that child before the foundation of the earth to live to four years old. I don't know. You don't know. But I do tell you this. The worst thing that I have ever laid eyes on in my life is an infant's coffin. And every time I've ever seen one, the same thing comes up in me is there should not be such a thing. There is, that is the greatest, one of the greatest injustices ever is for a, a child's life to be cut short. A few years ago, Becky and I were down in uh, Atlanta at this hospital in, uh, what's the name of that hospital? Emory. Is it Emory? And uh, we were, yeah, we were visiting with Art and Asha when their little girl was having some major surgery with her heart. And one day we were walking and we decided to take a shortcut through a building. And it was the worst shortcut you could ever imagine because it was in the cancer, children's cancer building. And by the time we got to the other side of that building, we were weeping. We could barely walk because what we saw. And those images are just burned in my mind of children that have this look of death on them. Their hair's gone. They're just, just dead. They're dying. They're wasting away. And you come out of that building thankful, thankful to God for the hospital that's there to try to help them. But just want, like, Lord, this is, this is wrong. This is wrong, God. This is wrong. Something has to be done. Something has to be done to stop this. You know, and when we were singing heaven on earth, well, that's what has to be done. We, we're trying to find out how to tap into God's power, not for, for, for show, but to see things like that stopped. And that's what the church has to get, get a mindset that God placed us here for that. I believe all y'all know that. 
but I just feel like God is really stern in the spirit that he uh, wants to do something about the sickness around us. And, uh, you know, Marlon and I went over and prayed for Cindy Schaefer uh, one day this week. And when we left, I just said, Marlon, all I can tell you is this. Those are brave people. They're facing something that would scare anybody to death. Okay? They're facing, you know, if God doesn't do something, her word is, I need a miracle. If I don't get a miracle, I won't live. They're facing that kind of thing. And I think, Lord, we can't let them face that alone. You know, we can't let nobody face it. I don't care all the people we prayed for that didn't make it. I'm not going to let that stop me. And if you let that stop you, I pray that you'd find something in your heart, that person in you that would rise up and say, I may have lost everything, I may have been beat to death, but I'm getting up and I'm going on. I'm going on, I'm going to press into this thing. Just like what this man said to us, we've got to press in and see God do something and not let your experience, not let your failures, not let your theology get in the way of what God's heart is for human beings. If he spent if a fifth of the scripture about gospels are about him doing something to help people, then a fifth of our life should be that. At least giving it our best shot. So I wanted to read this... Uh, are y'all good? I want to read this John, not John, James 5, 9 through 16 because of what it says. Because it says something a little different that's been a puzzle to me. Because nowhere, let me just say this, nowhere in the Gospels and nowhere in the book of Acts do you ever find Jesus or any of his disciples praying for somebody to be healed. Right? They just healed them. That's what, because Jesus said... And Luke 10, when he sent him out, hey, go heal the sick. That's what he said. Go, go tell them the kingdom's here and heal them. He didn't say pray, but then you read James and he says pray. And I've been like, Lord, what in the world does this mean? I would really like to know the difference. Is one of them because it's geared more towards evangelism? This is geared more towards the church? You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to get this, but I think I just wanted to share what I believe this is saying. All right, I'm going to start in verse 9 because I think this is important. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Now, that's a key to understanding this, I believe. Do not grumble against one another, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure you have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. What's the big story in Job? Three friends wore him out for 40 chapters. <laughs> That's the truth. For 40 chapters, they lit into him about why God did that. And at the end, you know what God said about those three things? They ain't said anything right about me. In fact, Job, if you don't pray for them, they're doomed. That's what's what James is trying to tell us. Because any good Hebrew hearing this would know, oh, better be careful how we treat our friends. Don't grumble against one another. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Okay, so... You see that? It's not another thought. 
He said all this to set up this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And, this is important, if he has committed any sins... He will be forgiven. Confess your, sin, your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, the word for sickness there uh, is not the same word that's used in the rest of the New Testament I discovered by accident one day. It's a different word. And it means this. Those who are weary and wore down. Is any among you weary and wore down? And I believe this is the interpretation of what James is saying. Life has a tendency to wear people down, right? And you get wore down, you can get sick, right? But James was talking about a, about a particular kind of wearing down. It's when we, with our mouths, dishonor each other. And when with our mouths we dishonor God, we criticize God, it opens us up to be worn down. Y'all are just looking at me. Now, let me just say this. If you're sick today, that doesn't mean you did that. There's other reasons. But I'm just trying to show you the difference. That's why he said call for the elders of the church to come and pray for them and anoint them, that God would help them and God would forgive them and God would get, make, help them get well versus a person who was just afflicted by the devil and you're breaking the power of the devil over them. That's what I really believe it says. And that's why I believe James says get the elders to lay hands and pray is because he's not talking about sickness that's norm- just that the devil attacked somebody and jumped on them and caught them in a weak moment. But it's, it's, it's people who, who have either been worn down by gossip and worn down by criticizing or people who are doing that and wearing people down. Are y'all, are y'all getting this? This is really important because, you see, it's like going to the doctor. Doctor, I don't feel good. Let me check your blood. Oh, your blood pressure's up. You know, you need to change the way you eat. I'm not, I don't want to give you blood pressure medicine. I want you to change your lifestyle so your blood pressure will go down. Okay? And you see, we want God to heal us, and I believe God wants to heal all the time, but God wants us to work with Him. Are y'all following this? God wants us to work with Him and what, how He works in the earth and how He functions, how He's designed life to work. And He's designed us not to be critical. He's not designed us not to judge. He's designed us not to find fault with each other. And when we do that, we open ourselves up to something unseen that can have a negative effect on our health. Are you getting this? Um, you know, John G. Lake was a great person who had a great healing ministry, right? Most people know about John G. Lake. He had this amazing, in fact, he's the guy who started the healing rooms. And when he was alive and started them in Spokane, Washington, it was certified by the medical experts that day as the most healthy city in the world because of John G. Lake's healing ministry. Everybody was getting healed. Everybody was well. Everybody was doing good. Well, before that, he started that, he was in South Africa as a missionary, and literally every day, people would line up, be lined up. When he'd get up in the morning, people would be lined up at his house to receive prayer from ministry. They'd come from miles and miles to get prayed for because the guy had this powerful anointing on his life to heal. 
And it'd be, you should read his story. I mean, he came from a life of death, and families were all dying, and, you know, everything around him was dying, and that's how he came into this anointing. He just got sick of it. But Lake's wife was like a prophet. So Lake would pray for, most people he prayed for would be instantly healed, but if they wasn't, he would send them over to his wife who would pray for him, and she would say, well, here's why, why God's not healing you. It's because the gossip or the unconfessed sin. Isn't that something? And those people, if they would acknowledge this and come to the truth, they would get healed and go home healed. If they wouldn't, they would go home just as sick as dogs like they came. Isn't that powerful? Well, I wanted to say this this morning about social media. Because I, this is how I feel about it. If I was not a Christian and knew nothing about God and looked on Facebook or Twitter at the Christians... I would have nothing to do with Christianity. I would have nothing to do with Christianity. I would have nothing to do with a God who has a people who are so mean-spirited and who are constantly attacking everything and everybody and especially each other. Now, that's the, the picture I get, and I find it to be a sickening thing. And I would probably do the same thing if I was all into that. I'm just saying I'm not throwing rocks. You hear what I'm saying? I wanted to read this one little thing that Doug Addison He's like a prophetic guy. Years ago, he was in Los Angeles where he lives now, and he went out because he does street ministry. He's like an evangelist, prophet, dream interpreter kind of guy. And he said, uh, I thought the number one question I'd hear from people would be, does God exist? Is God real? He said, but I was wrong. Instead, the number one question people asked me was, why are Christians so loving and unloving and judgmental? The apologetics I was trained in to give those an answer as God is real quickly turned into apologizing. And I began asking forgiveness from people on behalf of their negative experiences with Christianity. And he went on to talk about that it's not just people in the world, but it's people in the church that are wounded and hurt by each other. And it's probably not a person in this room that's been around the ch any church, including this church, at some point you've not been hurt or disappointed or let down because human beings do that. God understands that, but God has a greater way for us. Um, I wanted to tell you about this dream I had last night. I came in here and I said, Marla, I, I, I had a rough night last night. I was fighting grizzly bears all night long. And... Uh, I, I mean, at one point I was talking about calling, I'm done, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm whipped feeling. Thank God the first song we sang had something to do with getting under the shadow of his wing. You know, oh, that's where I need to go. You know, I need to do this. But in this dream, and I think I understand the full, but I'll tell you this part I knew. There were grizzly bears, and there were a lot of them. And it wasn't in the woods. They came to where we are. And I was alone. And there were too many. I was fighting them. In fact, I remember one, he took a swing at me, and it was so real. And I he was on a ledge, and I ducked and pushed this bear off this ledge. But there was too many that kept coming and coming and coming. And the dream ended where I ran to this elevator, and I got in the elevator, and he pushed the shut door thing, and this bear stuck his head in there. And you know how elevators do when you... And that was how the dream ended. His head was in there, and the doors were open, and he was standing between me and the door, screaming, you know, doing what bears do. I thought I was dead in the dream. And I, I, I believe that's... What the Lord was telling me is this is a time that you can't do this alone. This is a time 
where you being alone and being separated is not going to get you anywhere because the, the enemy... It's ferocious. He's going about like a roaring bear or roaring lion. And, and you, you can't do this. By, I think I said this last week, but this is something really big in my heart. God is saying, if you have separated yourself or you're trying to live your isolated Christian life, you're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. Because the enemy is powerful in that way. He's going to come. He's coming at us. And God doesn't want us to get trapped like that because I don't care how powerful you are. There was a bunch of them grizzly bears, and they were really hard to get away from them. And they weren't, it wasn't out in the woods. It was where we live. And so I believe those, those represent powerful demons that are released in the earth. Can I read this one mother scripture to you? Are you all okay? No. Mercy. Oh, I did want to say this about this mean-hearted thing is we have concluded that that's religion. Okay, uh, a lot of religion on Facebook, a lot of religion on Twitter. Because uh, religion always says this, I'm right and you're wrong. That's pride. That's pride. That's all that is. That's what, and that's how a lot of people see Christianity as a very arrogant and prideful organization, which we're neither, we're none of that, but we act like that because we're not an organization. We're, we're a family. I just want to really encourage you about your relationships with other people, okay, I think it's really important right now. And I think you're making a terrible mistake if you are, have broken relationships that you can't do anything about. Or, no, that you can do something about. If you can't do anything about it, you know, some people are just going to be mad. Some people are going to be so mad no matter what you do. Okay, and, and you try to reach out to them. I remember reaching out to a person one time that was upset with something I did. And the more I talked to them and tried to explain them, the more their face got redder and redder. And I realized at that moment, I need to just be quiet. Because they're so mad at me, they're not hearing anything I say. They're not hearing my heart. You know, they're against me, and I can't do anything about it. Except for one thing, I can pray for them. Ask the Lord to help them. You know, and I think that's how we need to handle people. You know, is pray, God bless them, God help them. Lord, take the, take the pain of the, whatever's causing them to be upset away. Um, here's what Peter said in 1 Peter 3. This is about healing, remember? Are y'all good? Yeah. Finally, all of you be of one mind, okay? Having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for re evil or reviling for reviling. You see, that's how we keep from getting hurt in the church. We don't retaliate when it happens to us, when, when some crazy thing happens to us. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this. You were called to be a blessing in the earth. And God is calling us to bring the kingdom in the world, but He wants us to be that way with each other. I'm just believing this. It's because that's what it says. And you recall this, listen to this, that you may inherit a blessing. God is saying, if you can't be that blessing, you're cutting yourself off from the blessing. That's what it's saying. Not that God doesn't want to bless everybody, but he's saying, if we are so dogged, cantankerous, and mean-spirited, we're cutting ourselves off of the blessing, and one of those blessings is health. One of those blessings 
is being connected to other people. Don't be a lone ranger. I told you that. There's no such thing as a lone ranger in the kingdom of God. Don't go hide in your cave behind your walls. If you're doing that, God is saying, come out of there. Come out of there. Because that's going to hurt you, especially in this time. You don't want to wake up one morning, maybe 40 grizzly bears over there behind that wall with you. And you're trying to figure out, who, who built this wall? Did I build a door on this wall? I need to get out of here fast because there's a bunch of mean grizzlies in here. Okay, well, let's see. For he who would love life and see good days, let him reframe what his tongue, his tongue from evil. Don't be bad-mouthing people. Don't be saying bad things. Speak blessing. Refrain your tongue from it. I get biting your t- tongue. I do it all the time. Why in the world I got to go out there and do this now, Becky? I mean, I'm watching golf. This, this is important. No, I don't say that. I get up and go, grumbling under my breath, not dare saying anything. <laughs> in, in his lips from deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Listen to this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. In other words, God ain't going to put up with this stuff because it's, like I said, all that. Bad stuff is just pride. It's arrogance. And God's face is against the pride. He resists it, even, even his people, the pride in us. He'll resist us all day long. Your prayers won't be answered. Your blessings, the inheritance that God has for you, you'll not be able to walk in it. This sounds like a crazy message on healing. Yeah. Love life and see good days. That's what it says there, right? Somewhere. Yeah, he who would love life and see good days. How many want to love life? Love your life. Love what God's doing and see good days. Well, it tells you right there. It tells us clearly. This is how you love life and see good days. Watch your tongue. Don't be gossiping. Don't be grumbling. Don't be criticizing people. Speak blessings over people. Don't have a bunch of relational breakdown in your life if at all you can help it. If somebody else breaks down with you and you can't fix it, well... Then you just, like I say, you God bless them. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to get sucked into some toxic hole with somebody that I'm not supposed to be in. Inherit a blessing. Are y'all good? Let me do one more scripture and then we're stopping. We good? All right, I'm just taking this at the tail end of the good old, uh, what you call the Lord's Supper thing. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not what discerning the Lord's body. Isn't that a kind of a particular? Discern means to see below the surface, to perceive inner reality. If you don't discern the body, if you don't know what's the body, it's people, it's us, other Christians. If you don't discern them, if you don't really see them right, you will begin to judge them and bring, and bring criticism to them. And it says you're eating judgment because you've judged according to the outward and not looked into a person's heart. And you're bringing judgment on you. That's what it says. And this, then he says this, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Sleep could be literal death. It could be just spiritual death, just lukewarmness. I don't know. It's probably both. And so, are y'all all right? Y'all just looking at me some bad looks on your face. Because I believe, again, I want to reiterate this point. If you're sick, that doesn't mean any of this applies to you. I'm not applying it to you. Actually, I'm applying it to me. 
first in my life. In fact, I've been eating this a lot lately. I've been eating all this because God has been talking to me as Byron. The way you treat people matters to me. And the way you withdraw yourself from people matters to me. And the way you isolate yourself from people matters to me. I don't, you know, don't use this introvert foolishness on God because he don't go for it. <laughs> like, dude, I made you an introvert, but I didn't make you to cut yourself off from people. And I didn't make you to find fault with people. And so I've had to do some repenting lately because I've realized that I've judged people for the very things that I'm guilty of. So here, I'm just saying this to me first and foremost because I want to be healthy. I want to be whole. And I want everybody in this room to be healthy and whole. And I don't want there to be anything that's hindering us from really releasing the power of God on, on, on those who need healing. You know, because that really is a blessing from the Lord. And so... I just want to encourage you today, you know, I was going to have all the elders come up and, and anoint everybody with oil, and they all said they would, and then Dean fell down and broke his, well, I don't know if he broke it, but busted himself up, his ribs real bad. I told him if he'd come to church, I'd give him a bear hug, and God would heal him, like, you know, when Smith Wigglesworth punched that lady that time, you know, in the stomach, and God healed her. I told Dean I was willing to try it if he was willing to try. I would hug him. He did not come to church today over it, and... Then Ryan Mead last night called and said he had a fever and throwing up. And, you know, then the grizzly bear showed up. And, and Marlon said he didn't feel good. Come on out here, Will. Where are you, Mr. Will? Right there. Come here. So we're going to stop. But I did want uh, the elders to come up and Jen, people from the ministry team, to come Because I wanted to, I know there's a few sick people in the room. And if you're sick this morning, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to see the Lord heal you. And also, if you have family members that are sick, we're just going to pray for you. We're going to anoint you. I think we're going to anoint you for oil if we have some. You know, we got some? All right. Y'all good? So I'm going to just turn this over to Will now. And Yeah, let's do it. We know how to do this, right? Today, if, if as uh, Marlon and Byron were preaching, if you, something inside of you said, man, I need, I need to repent of something, because God does that, right? He puts, a, he puts his finger on something to help us. So if you felt the Holy Spirit putting something, his finger on something in your heart, respond to that so that you can get something released in your life. Because God's good, right? And he's putting his finger on something because he's good. He wants to help you. So if today you felt that, just respond to him today. And also, if you're like, I need the Lord to touch me. <laughs> I, need, I need this healing that we're talking about. Come on up. Let the Lord minister to you today. And if you just want a greater anointing in your life, let's just receive that today. So Lord, we respond to you, don't we? We respond to your word. We say that we need, a, we need to experience a whole lot more, a whole nother level of your goodness, especially in the area of healing, Lord. Especially in the area of healing, Lord. We ask you to take us together to a whole nother level of the miraculous signs and wonders in healing. Lord, I ask you to release that in our life. I ask you, Holy Spirit, 
not just now, but all the days of our life, Lord, we ask you to put your finger on areas in our life that are blocking your blessing. Areas in our life that are, are taking us out of alignment with you. Lord, I ask you to show us areas in our life that we accuse rather than bless. Lord, I ask you to turn us to people that are blessings on the earth, that release your blessing. Lord, that speak blessing and not cursing. Oh, Jesus, make us people that release your goodness everywhere we go. Lord, we receive this word today. Take us to that new level, Lord. Take us to that new level. So if you just feel like you need to respond to the Lord, I want to encourage you to do that. And if you feel like, you know, you're good and you just want to, you need to go, be blessed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a great afternoon and especially a great evening as the Panthers win. Come on. Bless you.